0: Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on, and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com.
1: No turkeys, no ducks. Aaron, what in the world are we going to do? Well, maybe we need to find Waldo. Have you ever heard of Where's Waldo?
2: (laughs) Yeah. We had had a little bit of a thing like that with our our buddy Jim Ronquist last time we tried to get him on. But we found him this time and he and he's helping
1: along uh helping us find some turkeys and ducks. So I think that'll be a good start. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that was that was a good conversation. A lot of fun. And you know, as you know, it's always fun talking to old friends anyway. So and when you get to throw in wildlife and all the things going on with waterfowl and turkeys around the country and you had some great info from from the you know, report that y'all just did at NWF Outdoors. So
2: yeah, uh, it, it was just timely because he was talking about some of the very stuff we're dealing with with, uh, or we're thinking about with habitat loss. And, you know, I, I think I enjoyed this conversation mostly because I just love talking to people who kind of epitomize that sporting conservation lifestyle. And he just does. He works it, lives it, breathes it, wakes up in the morning thinking sporting conservation and goes to bed thinking it. And that's, that's
1: my kind of guy. Exactly. That's exactly right. He's down to earth you know southern country yet a when you get into the brass tax of conservation he knows the details i mean he's into it
2: yeah so we hope folks enjoy this one i i think you will and we got to do a little special announcement uh that that will be out by then uh but he told us kind of first i guess we'll say we, we have a premiere of sorts uh but uh by the time this episode runs the world will know about our friend mr Ronquest and where he's headed but uh good episode Jim Ronquest, uh turkeys for tomorrow rich and tone duck calls and now drake waterfowl so here we go. go red. since 1936 the National Wildlife Federation has worked with hunters and anglers to pass the most important conservation laws of American history and to protect our sporting traditions this podcast explores our history our values and the work we do to safeguard the fish and wildlife that fuel our passion. We are NWF Outdoors.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to the NWF Outdoors podcast. I'm Bill Cooksey and we have host Aaron Kendall here with us. What's going on, Aaron? Oh,
2: another beautiful day in the neighborhood, buddy. Glad glad to get this podcast finally
1: rolling. We tried one time and and now we're really going to do it. That's right. I I think we have uh you know, all the as Jim said just a little while ago, all the gerbils pulling in the right direction, so we're gonna get it done today. Our guest today is Jim Ronquist, and he uh most people don't realize it, but he hails from Missouri, but he's known for his time in Arkansas, and I think he's lived in Arkansas the whole time I've known him, which is about thirty years now. Uh we met at calling contests back in the days and uh ran retriever hunt tests together and even shared a blind on the creek back when he was guiding duck hunters uh, before he got into the manufacturing and television and all business. Since then, he's been the producer and co-host of r a world duck calling champion and a call designer. Uh, more importantly, though, is Jim's contribution to conservation. He's always been at the forefront as a communicator of scientific management to the hunting community and in that role he's won numerous awards and was also named co-chairman of turkeys for tomorrow now in a little twist a little later in the show today we're going to have a a breaking news to the general public about a a change jim's making a career change he's making but we're not going to say too much about it just quite yet Uh, how are you doing jim
3: better than i deserve bill thank you
1: well we're we're glad to have y'all and we're going to start this thing as we always do just talking about what we do out what we've been doing outside and i saw on facebook you've been doing a lot of fun stuff and i'm hoping aaron has as well so aaron what have you been doing
2: well of course fun stuff right that's what we do around here i went back to the utah canyons with my kids uh, over their spring break just recently here so we spent a lot of time in the the big Red Rock, Slick Rock stuff, and found some slot canyons and all kinds of good stuff out there. So that was fun. And then I've been just starting to test the waters for my for my famous BWO blue-winged olive hatch here here locally. The clouds have been coming in, but it's been warming up, and uh, they're not quite here yet. But uh, right now would be a really good time. But uh, maybe I'll <laughs> make it, maybe I'll make it out there this afternoon sometime later. But good times outside. Spring's coming. Gardening. All kinds of good stuff.
1: That sounds good. I know you got to hit that before the before things start melting and, and they first turn milky and then get muddy and your rivers start looking like the ones back here. But Yeah, uh,
2: this is the best time of the year, really, in a lot of ways. So I, this is one of my favorite times of the year
1: for fishing. Very cool. Well you know i've i've been scouting turkeys doing a little bit of fishing um spent last week in louisiana so it was great to get in the field with work again um i I went to a celebration, which was just an oyster kind of an oyster festival where they uh take they get people to understand how you can recycle the shells and all and that was cool and then we had a big bass festival in new orleans at the city park that i attended and that was really cool to see i mean it's this beautiful place in the middle of new orleans with a bayou running through it that's just absolutely gorgeous and it's from three-year-old kids up to 85 year old men out there uh fishing and and having a big old time but uh,
2: sometimes i wish we could just trade places for like a week or two because all your stuff is so novel and, and different to me and you know you come out here and hang out in the mountains and get snowed on and i could go fish for bass there you go. I don't even know what a slot canyon is, so you know, <laughs> a slot canyon's just these these such narrow canyons that you walk down them and you can't even see out the top. Sometimes they're they'll be like five feet wide and two hundred feet deep, and they're oh, kind of wow. the the waters carved them and they're swervy, and so you know they lean over each other and they're they're pretty cool. You should find some.
1: I, I'll look next time I'm out in the turkey woods. <laughs> But speaking of turkey woods, Jim, what have you been doing?
3: Well, actually, I was on my first turkey trip this past weekend. Um, had a great time in Alabama. Uh, and we'll say that if that was the only place you ever saw, you would not think there was an issue with turkey populations in different parts of the country. We couldn't have hit it any better. Weather was beautiful. The more cold, clear, hallelujah mornings. Lots of turkeys gobbling turkey's pretty responsive they're just really starting to get with hens you know it's not hens probably not quite ready yet not t- gobblers are chasing hens ain't squat bottom you, you know the time of year nice that is. yeah you yeah. know and it, it was prime time prime time
1: that's when the two-year-olds are fun
3: oh my goodness yes yes sir they'll get on a cow trail and just come to you and, and the beauty of it too you know with Alabama's got new laws back and stated with no decoys of any kind the first 10 days, you know, it was old school Turkey hunt, you know, it's, you know, set in the right spot. Yep. At the right time, plant your butt where you need to plant your butt and that's makes a difference.
1: Absolutely. I mean, that, that's what it's really all about. And, um, uh, I, I love hunting without decoys and typically in my own hunting, I, I don't use them, but I'm not filming. And I know when you're having to run a camera, a lot of times those decoys can make a big difference. Mm.
3: And that may have been the one of the best parts of the whole weekend is is there was no other agendas. It was just buddies getting together to go turkey hunting. You know, that's what made it fun.
1: Gotcha. Well, we open up this weekend. What about y'all, Aaron? When does turkey get going out in Colorado? About 10
2: more days. I think it's April April 10th or so, and it goes till the end of May. So we'll be getting out a little bit, mostly for my boy. Mm. I'm no good at it. And, and, and we don't have that many turkeys out here like you guys. So we go out and listen to them call and try to get close and, you know, have a good time cause we're out, but, uh, we haven't gotten one in the last couple of years.
3: Ah, well, my understanding is parts of Colorado has a pretty good Marion's population in it. Um,
2: yeah, there's places we just, we just focus locally, Jim. And you know, a lot of the reason is cause it's such a good fishing time and there's so much going on and you know, we we often go out for two hours or so in the morning and then just head to the river and float the river and fish because <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, it's the right time. We do the old cast and blast, so it's pretty fun. Any, any wrong Even with if that. we don't get a turkey, yeah.
3: Nothing wrong with that. I know Bill can appreciate that. Bill, I'm, as I know, is quite a fisherman, and I, I miss it. I don't get the chunk and wine as much as I used to, but there's some beauty in an early morning turkey hunt and then a an early afternoon bass fishing or crappie fishing trip and talk about a meal at night turkey breast and crappie fillets and cold beer is hard to beat
1: <laughs> yes sir well that's i i have a buddy that wants me to go with him this weekend and it, it's going to hurt because i really want to go up to the river and stay at my place there because i get in the boat in the pitch black run out and uh, run to the turkey woods by boat hunt mm-hmm. come in get my wife and we go out and crappie fish the rest of the day and that that helps you sleep at night when you put in a day like that
3: Mm -hmm. and nothing wrong (laughs) with it either buddy it's all good gets a good kind of tired i'll promise you that
1: that's right that's right but jim let's step back a little bit i one thing we've never talked a lot about even in all of our time together is is about you growing up you you know your upbringing as a kid and i know you were Mm -hmm. raised in the outdoors your dad loved to hunt and Mm -hmm. uh uh, let's talk about that what how'd you get started what was it like where were you
3: man you know that's that's kind of easy when you know so while I was I was born in in, in Missouri I was born in the, in the Ozarks Phelps County Hospital Rolla, Missouri is where it says on my birth certificate um, which Rada is headquartered for the Mark Twain National Forest so you know I'm gonna say there's some turkey hunting there kind of running the genes a little bit uh, but in the first or second grade So y'all are kind of going to have to get my life history here a little growing up. Um, So I don't remember if I was in first grade or second grade. Dad worked for a large contractor, large construction company. And we got transferred. He got transferred to western Kentucky. Um, So the whole family had to go. Of course, that's the confluence of the Mississippi and Ohio rivers. Um, Right across, actually the job he was working on was on the Illinois side of the river um and of course as bill knows you know back in the 70s and canada goose hunting in the quota zone crab orchard horseshoe lake southern illinois was a big waterfowling area along with ballard county kentucky he had lots of ducks lots of geese um good quail hunting my dad was a was, was a bird hunter he liked feathers we had a couple he had a couple nice bird dogs and um in a position to make a lot of friends got permission to hunt and and made great friends and and Growing up in that time period, you had two choices on Christmas break. You either loved to go hunting or you hated it because you was going whether you wanted to or not. (laughs) So um, we'd get up in the morning and we'd either duck hunt or goose hunt and come back. And dad uh, and and my grandfather on his side was even bigger and taller. But dad was um, pretty good shape, 6'2", long legged, could clear a three strand bob wire fence without ever pushing the wire down. And I was short and dumpy and fat. And he loved chasing bird dogs. And I had I, every pair of blue jeans I had, had the straddles ripped out of them from crossing fences or getting hung up on the barbed wire, not being able to get across. Um, so we get done with that. So we go duck hunt and come back. Dad said, well, let's go take a little round, son. So he'd get my brother or buddy and we get in the truck and we go quail hunting and walk my little fat butt off. We come back in get something to eat. And one of dad's dear friends who become a very big mentor of mine in in duck and goose calling and all that um a gentleman named jim mittendorf we called him uncle mimi he loved a coon hunt and he had a really nice blue tick named yipper so he'd pick come pick me up and we go turn them hounds loose for a while and he come back and go to bed um and, and you talk about make you tired during christmas break that'll make you tired uh, but i loved it and and i still do but in the process of that the, the duck and goose hunting at that time um the calling aspect the communicate with nature really, really stuck to me. And, and I, I really enjoyed that. And then from there, you know, spring Turkey hunt, you know, first, first time I ever went turkey hunting It's funny. Um, it was pouring down raining and looking back, I can remember my dad's face. Cause he asked me straight up. He said, son, it's open in the morning. If you want to go, I promise you we'd go, but it's raining really hard. And I thought, man, it's time for me to be the tough guy. And, say, yeah, Dad, I want to go. And thinking back about the look on his face when I said that, he was like, oh, dang. <laughs> so we go hunting in a pouring, pouring rainstorm. Man, it was raining pitchforks and tater babies. Um, and we're sitting up there, and Dad's calling, and lo and behold, a hen come up. And I, I recognized it to be a hen. And I can remember dad telling telling the story to somebody else when I was there. He said, I pray to God he didn't see a limb and think that was a beard and shoot that hen turkey. Um, so so that was a start. Finally got one. Um, of course, gobbling, strutting, turkey's coming to you. If that don't excite you, something's wrong with you. Um, and that, that turned into my dad and I being great hunting buddies, even up to the point through the years of getting involved in contests and pro staffing and toting video cameras. Um, Dad was always my main hunting buddy when I was home. And I remember one morning we was on a, on a really good place. And uh, at, at this point in my life, we had had, we'd gotten transferred back to Missouri. We'd been from Kentucky to Tennessee, um, Southeast Missouri, Northeast Arkansas. Um, and and we're back up in kind of central Missouri. And we had a really nice place to hunt. And I remember, I had been on the road and come back and stand there. This was the prime time, you know, tur- late eighties, early nineties, turkeys gobbling everywhere. And, uh, dad looked at me, it's dark. He said, son, there's one too many of us standing here. You pick you one to go to and I'm going to pick me one. And I stood there a minute, looked around, turned around, dad done snuck off. I said, Hey, what, 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 where'd he go? I can't do, you, you know, I was so used to hunting with dad, it just, it bothered me. Now I had to go learn how to be a turkey hunter. And I had killed several up until that point, but, um, it was a great lesson and, and had opportunities that I wish I could have given my daughter growing up in the outdoors that I guess you could say, impassioned me to follow this career path.
1: I love it. That's Awesome.
2: Bill, I, could I? I want to. I want to do something here because I. I know Bill and I talked about different things we're going to talk about here, and we were originally Jim when we were going to have you on. I don't know if you heard Bill and Aaron BS and where where is Ronquist? That's one of our. That's one you of know, our I, episodes we put. Out. I think I did.
3: I think I did see see a blip <laughs> of that or something like that on when I could I couldn't make the dang thing
0: work.
2: Um, yeah. Well, in any case, one of the things we wanted to do, and I I don't think it's too late during that episode was round up duck season a little. I mean, you put in more days out on the marsh and out in these swamps than just about anybody and are just immersed in that business so deeply. Uh, I, Bill and I talk about it a little. I had the privilege of meeting you in person when I was out there in December. Mm-hmm. You know, we heard repeatedly the duck season was an odd one. I think it's worth hearing from from your mouth too. You know what you saw, just kind of rounded up for us
1: in the places you were. Yeah. Now, now wait, wait a minute. Odd was not the word anyone used. <laughs> well, well,
2: yeah. I know. I'm trying to. I'm trying to be nice here.
3: I, I get that. <laughs> you're, you're trying to clean it up a little. Um, but you know, in even though you hear a lot, overall for the course of even our season here at home, I would say it was certainly better than last year. Um, I definitely heard of more fair to good than poor to fair. Um, for me personally, all of our road trips were successful. We we got good hunts. We didn't get any wow footage, but we got good footage, good solid hunts. Um, did well. We're going to get a you know episode or segment out of each road trip. Um, got home. Uh, didn't video a lot here at home. Blake and I didn't. But what we did was successful um and then i was helping out on one of the legacy properties in the area that that i get on the guide rotation on um and they had probably a top five duck season um so they did okay as did some of the other legacy properties around and then part of that is 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 water control and habitat management is what a lot of it goes back to you know and, and bill and i get in these conversations all the time um and can talk for hours about it but but that's part of it um the warm winter the warm november december was tough that that was tough finally getting that good cold front there early january and some rain created a, a late migration it helped and i was getting concerned with it getting so late in the year I, i'm kind of the pretty much i'm the christmas believer pretty much believe especially with mallards if you don't have them by christmas even or say with the first of january you're probably not going to get them as that daylight starts getting longer, everything in them says it's time to start going back north um, unless it gets really bad and pushes them down. But we got one just in a, it, towards the late end of the nick of time, and it helped a lot of people out. A lot of public was good. Some of the WMAs in the area actually had some pretty good hunting for a while. Not the whole season, but for a decent period of time, or some folks had some decent hunting.
2: We might need to go back and change that episode to Bill BS and then because he told me that the duck season. <laughs> no, I know. I was there and I saw with you guys when I was there, it was it was rough cooking uh, for, yeah.
3: for a oh, few yeah. different it, it reasons. And its, that was yes, early sir. to
1: mid-December, yeah.
3: yeah, it, and, mid-December and Arkansas
1: caught some water. You know, y'all caught water on your side of the river when y'all we really didn't. hadn't caught it on this mm-hmm. side.
3: No, that is very true. And that's one thing about it when you talk about duck season. It's been a minute. Or a year or two since the whole region had a good duck season typically what seems to happen is is it's kind of fragmented it's it's kind of where the water and the habitat kind of hit together and there seems to be a pile of ducks there and that's where they go to um i'm looking forward to another one in 2011 years where we had a big bee pop had a big winter had big water everything fell in place you know um or 99 would be really fun again or a 2000 uh, and if we make either
1: that. any of those
3: yeah yeah me too me too um, yeah but that being said you don't get those every year and you know it's kind of goes back to the how many theory um, we all love to go duck hunting and sure everybody likes to smell burn powder and have a strap full of ducks and a tired dog but it's not always about how many you know um, and, and I think we're all spoiled. You know, Bill and I go hunting, and you know, are around here people go hunting at nine, ten o'clock, and yeah, they ain't going to get them. Man, there's a lot of times traveling around the country in producing video or trying to get a TV show. Man, you'll hunt all day. You'll hunt all morning, go get some lunch or cook lunch, and stay all afternoon. You know, to shoot four limits of ducks and be proud you did it, and be very right. proud of it. You know, and a lot of folks here are, we're, we're spoiled um, by all our, our own good fortune.
2: We should probably let you do a little shout-out to your to your show, too, Jim. You know, we kind of mentioned it real quick in the intro, but maybe you want to tell us just real quick before we jump over to some more turkey stuff, what it is and where people yeah, can find it?
3: Yes, sir. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so, I, I've been fortunate enough for the past – this is coming up on season 17. Um, if you don't include the first two years where we did 52 weeks, then you'd have to call it season 19. But – um This is season 17 of R-N-TV. Um, It airs exclusively on the Sportsman Channel. Um, We've been doing it since 2006 and um, very proud of it. Um, It's earned some tellies. It's got Best Footage Awards. Other than Ducks Unlimited, it is the longest running dedicated waterfowl show on outdoor television. Um, now, there may be some digital pieces that are longer, but as far as on linear television, other than DUTV, um, I guess we're number two in length. So that's something I'm really proud of, very proud of. And it's it's a good show. It has its ups and downs, but um, we try to show duck hunting for duck hunting. It, the hard part about doing a TV show is it's 30 minutes, but it's really only 22 minutes of footage jumped, jumped into that time frame. And it may be three days of hunting dumped into that particular amount of time so um you can always make it look different than what it is but you know we like to show the good days and the bad days you know it's that's duck hunting
1: yeah I, I was with warren coco last week and he had filmed a television show uh back in the fall and the folks well i think they killed three ducks while they were there and they said man i'm glad we were here a couple of years ago because we still have some footage of birds from uh, <laughs> you yeah, with the same skyline. So, uh, you yeah, know, that's kind of how it goes sometimes with television. Uh, yeah, buddy. You know, Jim, I think the first time you and I turkey hunted together, I don't remember the year, but it was probably about Oh three or Oh four. And, uh, I had called Jim Spencer because Spencer had gone to North Dakota with me that, that fall. And we just talked turkey hunting the whole time. And, and I was at Avery and we had that Ames plantation, mm-hmm. uh, Situation where we could hunt there and had 18,000 acres and it was awesome. So I called Spencer and I said, Hey, man, I want you to come over and turkey hunt. And he said, Well, Jill and I are going with Jim Ronquist this weekend. And I'm like, Well, where are y'all going? And I forget where y'all were supposed to go, but I said, Why don't y'all just stop by here and, and we'll hunt for a few days? And I know that, that first morning you and Jill went off to a spot and I, I forget if y'all killed one or missed one, but y'all were in turkeys and, and oh, Spencer.
3: I killed one and then run across the road and yep up another one, that uh the Jill just moved at the wrong time. But we eventually got her one on that trip though.
1: Gotcha. Well, that that and Spencer and I went to another spot and and that man, as you know, is hunted everywhere. I mean, he's mm-hmm. killed turkeys from Hawaii to New York, so and everywhere in between. And we're standing on a a high piece of ground. For West Tennessee, it was high. And when the turkeys started gobbling, you could hear them from as far as you could hear out that way to as far as you could hear out that way. I mean, there were gobblers, just coarse gobbling everywhere. And Mm. and it was absolutely incredible. And Spencer looked at me and said, I'm sure I've heard this many turkeys before. But I couldn't tell you when or where. I mean, it it doesn't get better. and." (laughs) five years later, I could go to that same spot and hear two or three on an average morning. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't been there in several years now, but, uh, but all of my places in this part of the country have, have followed that kind of a trend and it's just been trending down, down, down with a few blips here and there. Mm-hmm. And I know you've seen some of that and that's yes. what, what led you and some other folks to start a new organization, focused on turkeys and some of the the issues that y'all have witnessed so you bet tell us about turkeys for tomorrow that's what yeah. we're here to talk about
3: man i appreciate the opportunity to talk about it you know uh like we kind of just hit on uh, for most of my outdoor career other than when i first started in you know, waterfowl has been my advocate been my vocation and i'm very still a very passionate duck hunter i love it as much as anything thankfully duck season and spring turkey season doesn't happen at the same time that would be a bad deal amen but, you know turkey hunting's kind of been my avocation, although it was my lead into the outdoor industry um other than than waterfowl guiding um so with that I had the opportunity years ago to start my first pro staff gig was with the Primo's pro staff and, uh, great guys. I learned a ton. And one of my first trips or assignments was to go to Texas, uh, with their current videographer at the time and producer, video producer, a guy named Ron Jolly. Um, and Jolly and I kind of hit it off and, um, we went to Texas, had a big time. I, you know, my job was to go with the landowners and his job was to take, You know, back in them days, as you remember, Bill, it was hunting writers and editors and and that kind of stuff, you know, to get our messages out there. Um, Whereas nowadays, it's a little different. Anyway, that being said, we become big buddies. I learned a lot about the camera and blah, 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 blah. That led to one thing and meeting several folks. Well, from there, we'll just fast forward, God, dang near 25, 30 years. and, you know, all the several other people that had done the same thing had kind of gone different directions. Now, Jolly and I have stayed in touch. Mark Yarborough and I stayed in touch. Spencer and Jill and I stayed in touch. Um, did several hunts together. But a lot of those guys went different places. So in June of 2020, um, Jolly had the bright idea of having a get-together at the White Oak Plantation outside of Tuskegee, Alabama. And if you remember back in the day, you know, when, when turkeys was really ro- rolling, man, White Oak was, was something, you know, pictures of everybody hunting on open in the morning with an Alabama long beard, you know, just unbelievable. And it was a great place for us to meet up. And the whole plan there was just to get a bunch of folks back together who had, you know, had worked together in the outdoor industry, toting the camera, be behind the camera, in front of a camera, product development, whatever, bring everybody together again, cook fish. Grill stuff, tail eyes, drink beer, have a big time. But one of the things Jolly wanted to do in that was have basically a roundtable discussion on Saturday afternoon. There was 14 of us, two ladies, Jill Easton and Tess Jolly. Um, and the whole idea there was, and I tried to video it, but you can't video a 14-person roundtable discussion with one person and one camera. It just doesn't work. Or do it's sure not going to look good. That being said, we kinda of went around the room and asking people what they seen, you know, people like Buddy Hanks, David Carden, you know, Kevin Matthews, folks that were solid hunters, spent a lot of time in the woods. Well, what do you see in your area and what do you think's the issue? And and it kind of led to everybody was pretty much saying the same thing and we were covering a lot of different states, you know, most are folks that travel a good bit, um, like the Spencers. Um, that, that go a lot of places, not only Southeast, but the Midwest and where there's turkeys, they're going people like, um, well, Dave Owens wasn't there that year, but we had a lot of good, well-traveled turkey hunters saying the same thing, but everybody was asking a different question, um, which kind of led to, to kind of what we think nowadays with turkey research, a lot of it to get the right answer, you've got to ask the right question. Um, generic questions don't necessarily get you to where you need to be. So that kind of led to a uh, you know a good time, a good chat, and then, you know, just the conversation after that really, you know, everybody's talking about, well, how can we bet make a difference? What can we do to be different? So that led into establishing an LLC um with the help of an attorney in Jackson, Mississippi by the name of Mr. Patrick Malouf. Uh, he helped us out we, he, with some folks he knew, some other attorneys, and we got a LLC started, and then we eventually got our 501c3 uh, in the spring of 21. Um, so just we just a little over uh, officially being a year old with a 501c3, um, and our mission statement. So so you let me back up here. So with all that, that's how it started. So you got to wonder, say, what are we trying to accomplish? How are we going to help, directly help turkeys? I'll I'll read our mission statement. Uh, We promote America's hunting traditions, conservation, and education through the timeless collaboration of hunters and wildlife professionals to ensure we all have turkeys for tomorrow. And that kind of leans us heavily into research. We got our first research project going under Dr. Will Goolsby at Auburn. In cooperation with the Alabama Chapter, National Wild Turkey Federation, the Alabama Wildlife Federation, the Hunting Public, uh, and some others, are doing a a project, a couple of projects. One's a song meter deal, basically a goblin chronology study. Now, those have been done for years, and you can go to any decent turkey department and people have done that but it'd be like four or five of us buddies okay guys i want you to go sit on the same spot on the same ridge every morning from march 1st to june 1st and count how many gobbles you hear. take your thermos coffee set on tailgate and count well bill i don't know about you but i like to count gobbles and i like to count turkeys but i'm gonna be thinking like hmm i took this ridge here and went that away I could maybe get on that turkey over there and, and there's another turkey gobbling over here that I ain't really paying attention to. So it would change the accuracy of those studies as the spring moves on. So, you know, turkey hunters want to hear turkeys gobble. That being said, is there a difference between way turkeys frequency, frequency gobbling on public and private are our gobbling peaks shifted? Um, are most of our hens getting bred now? In the southeast, are they getting bred in a week or really two weeks? When are, when are they getting bred? So that will help us find that. Another thing we're doing with this first project in, at Auburn is we're putting some GPS transmitters on some hens in the springtime to see where they go during the breeding season. Where are they raising their poults? What kind of ha- we think we know what kind of habitat we need with poults, but we don't really know. And what kind of habitat works being the most effective to raise poults. That's a good one. And then the third one, and this is one I'm really curious about, and it's going to sound a little weird to talk about, but it's 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 intriguing. So we're doing a, a gobbler fertility test, doing a sperm count on turkeys. And, and you ask, well, why in the world would you do that? Because, Bill, you and I have probably always talked and Aaron, I don't know how much you've grown up in turkey hunting, but we always thought that if you yep up two or three long beards in the springtime, um, and you shoot the strutter, or what you think is the dominant bird, the one with him immediately takes over breeding rights. Well, there's some talk out there that that doesn't happen. Um, and there's some talk that Jake's can't effectively breed. They may try, but they can't effectively breed. Um, that subdominant gobblers may strut, but it takes them another couple of weeks to get through the pecking order and for their sperm motility to be at more active. I don't know that I buy all that. Uh, I don't know. I've uh, seen too many Jake's try to top decoys. And I asked myself this, if that's true, evolutionary pressures wouldn't have let that Turkey put himself in a compromising position. And I don't know that they need that much practice. Um, that being said, Maybe there's something to that. So they've tested some hens and realized that there is separate DNA sometimes amongst amongst a clutch of poults. But then they think that those hens may be seeing other dominant birds within a leg. So I'm curious about this whole deal to see if which way is which. So there's a study going on and out around Auburn area. We videoed it over the weekend. You shoot a a male turkey. You got a questionnaire you fill out you clean the turkey, you transfer possession over to Auburn, you put him in a bag and you freeze him and they're going to check him out for disease, for all kinds of stuff after the season. So I'm really curious of that. And and that may tell us a lot. That may tell us if we are shooting too many dominant birds too early. Um, and, and this questionnaire goes on to ask, you know, if it's, if it's legal to use decoys, what kind of decoys did you use? How did you use them? Um, look, I don't want to tell anybody how to hunt, but I want to make sure we've got uh, the resources to enjoy. So if, if maybe, maybe this is where politics and policy comes into research, you know, all the research in the world don't do any good if you don't put it to use. So w- once we understand what's going on, this is a three-year deal. You know, it's you're not going to learn it in a year. But if we see that, if this research shows that we're shooting too many dominant gobblers too early, maybe we need to set the season back. Maybe we need to, or if it's late season mortality and you're killing turkeys with a strutter decor or a fan late in the season, maybe we need to cut back on that. Uh, You know, science-based wildlife management gives us good answers. gives us good policy and good regulations to move forward with. Making those kind of regulations off of, off of emotion, um, or what we think it is, which might be right, doesn't do any good. So our deal is we want to get science-based wildlife regulations put to, put to good use. So use the biology to move forward. So that, that's, a, that's a big mouthful of stuff, but that's kind of what's going on.
2: You're talking uh, about the paradox of all wildlife management, <laughs> dealing with all the people in there telling you how it is and then having the science and trying to thread the needle. you bet
3: and and that's that's a part of tft you know and and let me be clear um i'm a life member of the national wild turkey federation they do fantastic work we would not be where we would not have been at the high point of our turkey populations without them and we are not trying to take away their job we're trying to add to it we're trying to be complementary to the nwtf we're not taking the exact same route we don't need to be the nwtf they do a great great job in a lot of directions and research has been one of those um we're just trying to maybe try to pinpoint a little tighter try to work on smaller projects shoot we don't have the money they do we're trying to get there but we're trying to do good things for the turkey and turkey hunters and we'd like for people to help join up and help us help turkeys
2: i i got two things for you jim one is, I hope mm-hmm. you've come across Tim Gothard down in Alabama. He's our he's our ED down at Alabama Wildlife Federation. Heck of a guy. Yes. Good, good. I hope yeah, you get I, get spend I, some I've, time with him.
3: I haven't got to spend a lot of time with him. I've met him. I believe I met him at our our deal last year, but I have seen his name on several documents and emails has come through. I've seen his name and heard his name spoke of. So next time I have the opportunity, we have mutual friends. So that'd be a good, good way to get things kicked off.
2: Head over to that Alabama Wildlife Federation headquarters too. They got an impressive situation there. On an oh, old, I bet a they do. A few hundred acres and it's got a whole wildlife center. It's a really, really awesome place. Oh, cool. Uh, the other th- I was going to ask you if we could back up just a little, what about the things in, in Turkey conservation that we do know that are issues? You know, you guys are kind of getting out there on the on the edge of the envelope and trying to find out really nuanced stuff about hunter behavior and stuff. But there's presumably, you know, some habitat issues, some other things like that. What out there are, are we dealing with that we kind of understand?
3: Well, you know, habitat's always important. You know, landscape change is is a big thing too. Just and again, this this, this snake has many heads, and that's a Jim Spencer line. I just borrowed it from him, but. You just go riding through the countryside and look at the fragmentation in in rural America. You know, just past suburbia, but not way deep or even pretty deep. You'll be going up an old blacktop road or county highway and you'll come up on a daughter general somewhere carved out of a pasture um, or a little small shopping center or, or, you know, all of a sudden here's a few houses on five, six acres. And um, that's all fragmentation taken away from habitat. Along with a lot of other things that we don't know, back to the unknowns about treated seeds. Here's a big one that could maybe fix everything. The past five, six, seven years, there's been weather pattern change to where we get pretty consistently are getting a wet, cold, heavy rain through the second week through the end of May, prime hatching times. You know, I'm going I to bet that most of our turkeys, at least in a region of the world, are probably hatched within a couple of weeks of each other. Now, natural succession is going to make it where some hens breed earlier than other hens, so that spreads that out to kind of take. That's Mother Nature kind of taking into consideration of those heavy rains, right? Um, but that being said, so many wet springs in a row. And high water years in the bottoms, I think, has really took its toll on turkeys. Um, So, you know, a couple, two, three dry springs could potentially change everything. But then I think you get back in these landscape changes. um, You know, fire is a good thing. We are, everybody's a fire proponent on burning at the right times. Um, You know, some, uh, Dr. Goolsby, Dr. Will Chamberlain, Dr. Brett Collier talk about even growing season fires that may evidently sometimes, pass over a turkey nest but can also the positivity there for turkeys is better in the long run um of course late or early late winter early spring fires do a lot of good you'll see turkeys come back in behind the fire and are still smoking um but i would say the biggest thing is habitat loss of habitat is big and people lose taking away edge cover um you know i talked about my dad earlier loving the quail hunt and grew up with bird dogs and hunting gentleman bob um at the ames plantation you go look at it and how good quail habitat and turkey habitat match up well you start taking away all that edge cover and clean fence rows or no fence rows or you know border to border farming and you start losing that habitat for all kinds of upland nesting birds so a lot of things that we could maybe change around uh, you know if the private both either your private landowner or private ground hunter or Hunt public ground. Just pay attention to what type of land use is going on. If you rent or own and you have the opportunity to do some habitat work, get with your state agency's private lands biologist and talk about what you want to do and look at things from a different angle. And it's fun. The more you get involved in helping wildlife on your property, or even if it's lease ground, timber hunt ground, if you see an issue there or something you want to work on, find the natural resources coordinator for that timber company, and talk to them about it. There's always things you can do to maybe help and along with that join turkeys for tomorrow and the National Wild Turkey Federation and try to help turkeys that way.
2: I got to jump in here Bill, sorry. And then you and then you're up because it's ironic because we just this week released a, a report about habitat loss for game species and we included some different numbers for turkeys, right? And there's some big ones in here. Uh, you talked a little bit about Arkansas and that area in your home area. We have data that talks about losing as much as sixty-five percent of their habitat since two thousand three in Arkansas.
1: Mm, we're we're looking shows. in
2: in North Carolina, in North Dakota, one in every nineteen acres has been lost of turkey habitat. Uh, Oklahoma, one in every thirty-three. You know, across the country, we're seeing this, and one in every eighty-one acres in total of turkey habitat has been lost. So, wow. You know, Average average distance to development in Turkey country is 1.6 miles if you take all of it. So just just mm-hmm. a little plug for our report there. We we've got it out yeah. on social media and some other stuff. You gave me the perfect opportunity. So I I, I couldn't let it go by. Sorry. I'm but. gonna
3: throw it back out there. Can we can we also um help you publicize that? Can we put that on our website? Yeah.
2: I'll get it over to you. Yep. It has it has many different things. It has mule deer. It has moose. It has blue-winged teal down in your neck of the woods uh, or down in some of the places you work, uh, Bill, and mm-hmm. in Florida. We use some of the data from there. So take a look at it. Get it out if you uh, appreciate that, Jim.
3: You bet. Uh, speaking of blue-wingers, right down from the house, there's, it's kind of interesting. Bill, I told you on the way home about the speckle bellies, um, there's about 50 specks and 150 200 blue wings sitting there hanging out together and the specs get smaller every day the group and the blue wings get bigger
1: oh uh, it uh, now th- this is awful to hear but i know some a lot of taxidermists who who call uh turkey season mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. teal
1: collection season because they'll That's always right. somebody just can't stand it when they see mm-hmm. one of those really beautiful blue wings so y'all just when you walk up on them just look at them just look yeah, at them and Donald let them go, because they are beautiful right now. They, right I mean, now, they both. Yes, yes, uh, they
3: are. Lots of color, yeah. lots of stuff. It, it's fun. You know, and it's kind of a fun time to – spring's a fun time of year. You know, you, I used to always hear people get mad at February. Well, it's kind of like February, because you kind of got ducks on your mind still, a lot of ducks, round specks, snow geese. You know, you, you kind of chilling for a little bit, kind of just – easing through through the month of February is a transition, then you know you really you end duck season, close to the end of January. Turkey season somewhere is not very far off, you know, so you're starting to think turkeys a little bit, you're still enjoying ducks, and even now, you know, just turkey hunting this weekend in, in Alabama, but still you come home, get to enjoy waterfowl on the flyback back and man, that's just it's good times to be out there and enjoying the outdoors.
2: Howdy listeners. For more great content, check out NWF Outdoors' social media on Facebook, Instagram, and
1: Twitter. Connect with us. We want to hear from you. Send us your ideas for podcast guests and questions in the comments. And for even more excellent content, here's a
2: message from our partner podcast. Hey everyone, this is Marcia Brownlee from Artemis Sportswomen. We know you love awesome stories about hunting, fishing, and conservation, so head on over to the Artemis Podcast. You'll meet adventurous, accomplished women who are redefining conservation through their lives in the field and on the water. Filled with humor, audacity, empathy, and intelligence, Artemis brings you new voices and introduces you to women from all walks of the sporting community. Find Artemis wherever you get your podcasts.
1: You know, we we talked a lot about habitat and obviously good habitat can cure a world of ills. i mean if you watch social media the average turkey hunter is all about predators you know we too many predators and i there are a lot of places where predators are a real issue but when you have good habitat they're a lot less of an issue so it's a it's a balancing act and yeah one of the things we see here and i'd love to hear just quickly your thoughts on these uh, and this is a habitat issue hang Uh, we're used to most of it around here was in june now it just keeps getting earlier and earlier and and we'll get it in late April and early May sometimes now and Mm -hmm. and I know that's wrecking some nests and and then we're getting more and more chicken houses in the region And, and everyone I know when they get on you know they start using litter chicken litter and fertilizing their fields and that seems to maybe have a negative impact
3: that's a the i'm gonna i'm gonna back go backwards through your questionnaire but i i agree with all your points and one of the research projects i would like to have get done i don't know who we can get to do it where at or even go how to go about it but that's that's uh some grad students problem there but do a uh, I'd like to do a test on that because i think that that using that chicken litter for fertilizer on the pastures is introducing a lot of lot of domestic avian diseases into our wild populations both turkeys and quail you know you think about the quail used to used to be able to hear and we, you know not near as many quail and there's not near as many turkeys and a place i hunt in missouri now oh boy lets me hunt i love going up there um he reached turkey off his back deck, but he fertilized all his pastures with chicken litter last year. And there's a chicken house, new chicken house right down the road from him. And turkey production wasn't near what it was. And I just, my gut feeling is there's an issue with that. But that goes back to that science. Was it something else? Was it coincidental with a, with a weather event? Or, you know, that's where we need to do these projects to figure it out. Um and and the first part there when you're talking about the hay you know there's always people you know cut that first first cutting and if it's been a late spring you always hear uh, i've always heard farmers say god dang i got a hen nest that you know I got a nest today but the earlier it gets you know the worst it gets especially in middle tennessee which still has a pretty thriving turkey population pretty dang good but all in big cattle farms up there and, alfalfa fields you know there's some turkeys get caught up in that and you know farmers got a farm that's how they make a living they need to put you know cattle feed up or they're selling hay they, they have to do that but um be nice if we could find a way to introduce turkeys in, in 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 the nesting somewhere different or maybe prove that to the farmer that you can cut your alfalfa hay later in the year and still not not lose out on maximizing productivity for the year right it's that balancing the, act aaron was talking about earlier
1: and I, i'll give you a head start on the chicken litter i read a study actually this morning and, and they said that if they're from broiler chickens if that's what they're is being raised it shouldn't be an issue because they don't live long enough to complete the life cycle of of the parasite that causes blackhead and that's the main one that seems to impact turkeys but they think that you know, the longer lived chickens, you know, that they, whether it's a laying house or whatever, um, that could be an old different ball of wax. Hmm.
3: That is very interesting. So I know there's been some, some studies on it. There may be a lot that I just haven't looked at. You know, I'm not going to say there is or there isn't, but I, I'd like to know more about it.
2: I think you're going to find out more with what you're up to here.
3: <laughs> oh yeah. We're, going, we're sure going to try. I can, I can promise you that.
2: Let's let's talk a little bit too, Jim, about like what what kind of response are you getting from turkey hunters? What are you hearing about from oh, from yeah. guys
3: about TFT? Or yeah, from- and about
2: the work you are doing, and and just kind yeah, of you know so- it's new and kind of how folks are feeling about it, and what you are yeah. after.
3: There is a lot of people really getting excited about TFT. We had our first what 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 we're going to call a roost like a banquet dinner, like we've all been to, to you Perfect. dinners, NWTF, they call it a roost. Um, we did our first one, I, uh, I think it was an Opelika. Um, and it, it's net to gross, was very good, raised a lot of money, helped out a lot for turkeys, for TFT, give us a little bit to work with on our upcoming projects. Um, but people were excited. It sold out in like a week's time. Now, it wasn't a huge venue. I think there was room for 200 seats, something like that but that's a good size dinner and sold out that quick. Um, So they're looking at doing more. We're looking for people to be involved more. We're looking for ambassadors for people who um, the right kind of people, not just, you know, not just anybody's going to want to do that or be able to do that, but for the right people to want to take on that responsibility and put on a roost and and promote TFT. Uh, We just recently changed our bylaws where we could be a membership organization. Uh, You can go to, TurkeysForTomorrow.org. Um, click on Join Now and pick what level you would like to become a member. Um, all that helps out, and, and it's growing pretty quickly. The more we get the word out there, the more people want to become members. And longtime members, of the NWTF, who still support them, are saying, "Hey, we want to help you too. We want to be a part." It's it's it's, it's let's help the wild turkey, and let's help wild turkey hunters help turkeys. Been good. It's been very good.
2: Bill, can you say my typical mon- uh, thing I say so I don't have to say it <laughs> when it comes to investing and in, uh, you know taking care of these things? <laughs> do you have it,
1: <laughs> man? I I can't hit it like you can, Aaron. Come on, man. No, it just it, I I just I say it so much,
2: Jim. I just get I, I get tired of hearing myself saying it. But uh, it's the you know with the, all this great is is the obligation to go do these things right and then you just, you just talked about, you know, growing up and having all this opportunity, right. And you've, you've invested your life back into it. And so obviously you're taking that obligation seriously, but you know, we know there's a lot of gals and and fellas out there that are just going out and getting their Turkey every year or trying and, you know, that walk away from it, but it's not too much to ask to, you know, get to one of these banquets or throw your 35 bucks in or, you know, help out Mm -hmm. with conservation. It's a, it's not a. It's not just a spectator sport, you know. It won't happen without folks helping out on those things.
3: That's right, and you know the other side of that too. I say this: there, there's a lot of different conservation organizations out here, and they all do good. I, I, at least the ones I know of that are prospering, they all do good. And it, it kind of, if it lines up with your interests, find ways to support it. Um, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be opposed to. Uh, I, I, I went to Utah in 2018 or 2019 and i shot a bull, my first and only bull elk biggest one I ever shot um because it was my first <laughs> one uh, and i look to go back to do that again you know and, and because of that maybe i need to support the rocky mountain elk foundation or or you know something that does that and you know typically it's not a lot of money but a little bit of money from a lot of folks goes goes a long way um so, do what you can to help. If you can't, you know at least you're buying your tag, your license, and, and enjoying going hunting. Um, and there's so, still some people try to beat the system. You know that that's just part of it. But um, you're always going to have that, and that's why we got that's why we got game orders and people to help protect that resource. But all of us can help protect that resource a little bit.
1: And, and it's you know, as y'all said, and I'm just going to put a nail in it, and we'll move on. But if you're able. Um, we need more than just to buy a license that's the bare minimum uh, for conservation is buying a license and for folks who maybe aren't able to to you know spend a lot of money on memberships and all these organizations have all kinds of things you can do to volunteer and help out so i know in, in my life when i didn't have money i probably had time
3: that's right that's well said that that's a good good point i agree
2: now you're rich (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> no, now, now, now i am here.
1: firmly almost middle class <laughs> yeah i'm
2: with bill
3: i'm with bill just happy to be here you know but that brings you to other things too besides conservation or- organizations you know you look at the 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 model for wildlife management in north america i mean no other country in the world is set up like this and we're fortunate to have what we have along with you know um the different things we was talking about at lunchtime deal along with pitt and roberts dane darling all the different things that hunters have always helped pay the way whether you realize you're doing it or not all we're asking for is just to help that out a little bit
1: i like that pitch jim i'm we're going to kind of transition out of turkeys here before we get too late into the show and and I have a question for you because I couldn't I, I couldn't remember the actual year you started, but how long have you been at R and T? Mm,
3: well, now that's a great area question because <laughs> and and, and, and I, yeah, I'll explain it because I started off, you know, just blowing duck calls, as you know, as we met, and being friends with our, the founder of Rich and Tone Duck Calls, Butch Rich and Back, which kind of turned into kind of helping out around the shop. Going to a couple of shows, selling a few calls, and as his business was growing, while John was still uh, being a landscape architecture, and for some of those years, while he was still in school, um, we brought in a manual operated duplicating lathe, and that would have been somewhere, hmm, gotten married somewhere in the mid early to mid nineties. So I was somewhat working in you know, being a part of the company. But as far as truly drawing a check, um, that would have been 2000, I think. But helping out Butch would go back to mid-90s, and we started Rich and Tone Guide Service in 1994. So I, I think you could actually start my affiliation there in 1994. Uh, over
1: 25 years.
3: Over 25 years, for sure. You bet
1: well we we mentioned earlier we, we there's a big surprise you're going to announce on the show so so man have at it
3: yes sir. It so out. so with that so with that um i guess this thing airs on friday will be technically my official first day um as vice president of development for drake waterfowl um so big change in my life. Um, that said I won't be completely away from R and T and Rich and Tone, the rock and R duck call, which is kind of my call inside of Rich and Tone, will still continue to be produced here. I'll still have insight and oversight on it. I'll still be wanting to introduce new models. So I'm not totally gone. I'm still going to be helping out with the call the Palooza event in June, um, so, I'll be in and out. I just won't be a full time employee nowhere nor will I be continuing to produce r n t v and that that's kind of a tough decision for for this upcoming broadcast season uh quarters three and four, I'll still be hosting my shows, still be a part of the show from what you see as far as airing every Saturday on the sportsman channel um but I will be moving on to a new position. With, with Drake Waterfowl and their other brands, Drake Waterfowl, Old Tom Technical Turkey, Non-Typical Whitetail, um, Drake Professional Fishing, um, and their Casual Lines. So it's going to be kind of a different deal. Uh, being involved on the developmental side, both product development and content development, video stuff kind of fits what I'm going to do and um, kind of fits my background as of lately besides messing with duck calls, but it's a new chapter. It, it, it's something new, something exciting. Um, man, I'm not, I didn't go looking for it. Um, that they, uh, they'd come to me, um, not going off as a, as a mad disgruntled RNT employee. Uh, gosh, when I, when John and Angie and I first talked about it and I, I told them, we were all three crying time. We got done. Um, yesterday when I told, uh, told the rest of the staff up here at our Tuesday morning meeting. Um, heck, I was I, I couldn't get – I'm just a softie. I couldn't get through it without getting emotional. So, um, yeah, it's going to be big changes, but it's going to be fun. And, again, everybody's still friends. It, it's nothing – don't want anybody reading into it that, man, Jimbo got mad and he left and stormed out throwing stuff against the wall or, you know. It, it's all good. It's, it's nothing like that. But um, it should be very interesting.
1: We need to get Aaron down for Colapalooza. He still hadn't been in the in the t- t- tap room over there. But Maybe. does this mean that you're going to be at ICAST this summer?
3: Whoo, you know what? It might very well mean I'm gonna be at ICAST. So <laughs> I really wasn't planning on going <laughs> to the DU show in April. I was planning on going turkey hunting that weekend, but because of my <laughs> new <deals> position, <laughs> I'm gonna be at 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 the racetrack, Fort Worth, Texas, April 8th, 9th,
1: and 10th.
2: Bill's devious mind's already at work oh, already if you're like work. yes here's some we gotta get going I can tell well
1: i'm I'm just saying I keep telling Jim at some point I need to get a rock and R from him, so maybe he can bring one to, to Orlando and we can uh we can light up the the show floor
3: that could be interesting that could be interesting and you know um I had the opportunity this past duck scene's going to be a cool show coming up on r n t v um where we got to hunt with some of the bass elite guys out at prairie rock outfitters so um i got i got to fish with some of those guys and talk duck hunting and what's cool is most of those guys will tell you i fish so i can go duck hunting and and that's pretty cool that's fun stuff and a lot a lot of comparisons from it's all wildlife it's all outdoors but we had a lot of comparisons as you well know bill because you you spend a lot of time with at iCast and with those different guys there's a lot of a lot of parallels to what we do over here
2: before we before we move from this bill and, and let jim go we should just at least say congratulations man you've been a champion you've been a just a a pillar in the in the duck calling and the duck industry and just you know good good on you congratulations on your new deal here
3: most appreciated Aaron most appreciated I just hope I can make the best of it and and continue to push forward and enjoy this this uh uh, as I told somebody Jimbo's last hoorah (laughs) (laughs)
1: well I don't know about last hoorah but in the past I think we've turkey hunted together more than we have duck so so maybe with career changes we can uh we can get together and duck hunt a time or two more
3: I'm gonna bet we can because that that's kind of going. That's kind of one of my deals under under development is uh is relationship development. So, you know, we need to make sure we go do that somewhere.
1: Well, we're getting close to the hour, and before we get out of here, I'm Aaron. I'm going to start with you. Do you have any words of wisdom to pass on?
2: Uh, just follow in the footsteps of guys like Jim. You know, do what you love. Invest in conservation take care of the habitat and everything else will fall in line. I think that's a, it's a, he's, he's proven that with his career and his life. So thanks for being on Jim.
3: Man. Thanks for having me, Aaron. I most appreciate it. Sorry about all the hiccups on the last one. Um, now y'all can't do a show. Where's Ronquist?
2: <laughs> we'll do one <laughs> later just to give you some hell. Maybe
3: <laughs> fair enough. Buddy. Fair enough. I like it.
2: Take us out, Aaron. Okay, well, I, I should also say I got one other thing for us because Jim Jim was part of a some work we did in in, in December too, and so we'll we'll have another video with Jim on some issues we were talking about in his neck of the woods as, as well uh, mm-hmm. that where we were talking about some of the stuff happening in Arkansas and what we're seeing across the sporting community. So just mm-hmm. another little teaser. We're not even going to tell you what it is. Just another little teaser. But but Jim's been helping us out on multiple fronts. So just thank you again and. Hope everybody enjoys this episode. We'll put links to uh, all Jim's stuff in the uh, in the show notes and uh, look for him in his new spot. And And Jim, we've got you some stuff coming so you can help us promote some of the work we're doing. And just happy thank you and so. happy trails, happy turkey season and rock on.
3: Most appreciated, guys. Thank you. Thanks again. Thanks for what y'all do. Um, you know, it's all important. Appreciate y'all helping spread the word.
2: For more great content, check out NWF Outdoors' social media on Facebook, Instagram,
1: and Twitter. Connect with us. We want to hear from you. Send us your ideas for podcast guests and questions in the comments. We are NWF Outdoors.